Let's um, turn our Bibles to the book of Romans and chapter 1. Romans and chapter 1. Alright, we are starting our um, series this uh, morning on the seven applied truths. The seven truths that were discovered in the Word of God that were applied to the lives of people in what we term the charismatic movement that turned it into the most influential, powerful, and the fastest growing arm of the church on the earth today. These things were always contained in the Bible. They are scriptural truths. It's just an issue of the discovery of it and the application of the same into the lives or into the lives of people. And this one will be talking about the truth of justification and reconciliation that really deals with what we call the unveiling of the righteousness or the insight into what is called the righteousness of God in Christ. This is the foundational stone or the foundational revelation upon which others were now built. Which means it's not, it, it, you cannot be an effective prayer, um, prayerful person or you cannot have an effective prayer life if you don't understand your righteousness in Christ. The declarations of the word of God will not result into power and force in action if you don't understand it. Even the law of faith, all right, the, some, the sense of guilt on the inside will drain away every ounce of faith and will lick the power that is contained therein uh, um, in your life. In fact, the Bible speaks about giving and it says the results of your giving is that the fruits of righteousness shall be increased, which means there shall be an increase of the fruits of righteousness. Therefore, it's about the manifestation of this righteousness that will go on the increase that shows itself in a more effective prayer life and various things. So it's important, a foundational thing. And this probably is the most technical of the truth, which means that is what, you know, it's almost like a lawyer that goes into the scripture and wants to draw out the legal framework and basis for Christianity itself. How Christianity came into existence, the legal framework in which the sacrifice of Jesus was offered, and how it affected things. Uh, so we're going to look at that, a bit technical, but it's very, very important. In fact, because most of our spiritual growth will happen in the hard places of our lives, it's important that we understand the basis of our acceptance with God and how fellowship is established so that the circumstances on the outside that should be a breeding ground for increased and multiplied growth doesn't become something where we faint, where we become feeble, need, and our hands begin to drop. Now, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 here, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The word gospel is the good news of Christ. That's just what it means. All right? Gospel simply means good news. So I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ. 
And he said, uh, the reason is that the good news of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. So a man believes the good news of Christ, it results into the power of God that produces salvation in his life. The word salvation is the word health, is the word um, deliverance, is the word prosperity, is the word um, to preserve, all right, or protect. So he speaks about the power of God to produce these things. And he says the reason why the gospel of Jesus is the power of God, it says, unto salvation to everyone that believes in it, is because therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Which means it's the content of the message that produces the power. Don't forget that. It's the content of the message that produces the power in the lives of people. The content of the message is what produces power. He said that is why the gospel of Jesus Christ, in it, you have the revelation of righteousness. In the message of positive thinking, there is no revelation of the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And so it's not the good news and it's not the power of God unto salvation. In Christian science or New Age, that inside it is not the revelation of the righteousness of God. Which means it doesn't unveil and reveal and make us know the righteousness of God in Christ. So the gospel is a revelation of God's righteousness. It says, for, for, in it, the revelation of righteousness of God is revealed. And it says, from faith to faith. So what produces power is that revelation. And it says, it produces faith on the inside of us. So if you have this revelation of God's righteousness, it gives you access to power in your life. And then faith becomes a natural thing. It's from faith to faith. And it tells us, for the just shall live by faith. So the issue of exercising faith becomes settled when a person understands this righteousness of God and this message of God's righteousness. Which is, once you understand it, the, you have access to the power of God in your life to produce salvation. Then at the same time also, right, you also will find faith inside your heart freely to exercise in order to unleash that power on the inside of you. I even remember my pastor, Oliver Johnson, told us back then, growing up as Christians, that the righteousness of God, the knowledge of it, will make your faith grow in lips and bounds. And that is the truth. Which means that you take off in your Christian life. The things that have been holding you down, which is a sense of guilt, sin consciousness, all that, you are cut loose from all of that. You are cut loose from your past. You are cut loose from the mistakes of the past and all of that. And you begin to soar with the wings of righteousness into the destiny that God himself has ordained for you. And we're going to look at this, about what this message of righteousness is. This revelation, it is beyond just the message that came out after the dark ages when Martin Luther came out with the reformation. 
in that message, it was part of it, but not the full revelation. He spoke about justification by faith. About the fact that Jesus died for your sins, what is true, and that, you know, by faith, when you believe in that, you are justified. But when we look at Second Corinthians, we get a glimpse of this. The Bible says, Him that knew no sin was made a sin on our behalf. That is justification. That is, Jesus died for our sins. Alright? Jesus was made a sin with our sin. But then it goes on and tells us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Which means it goes further than Jesus just dying for your sins and getting forgiveness. He went further and made you the righteousness of God inside him. And so we are now God's righteousness in Christ Jesus. And we're going to look at this, the build up to all of this. But it goes beyond just being a forgiven sinner. So if you listen to the hymns and the songs that came out during that time of the Reformation, it was amazing grace, all right? And it spoke about a sinner that I am. You could, you could say that it was a consciousness of sin. And let me just drop this, by the way, here. You know, what we call hymns today in the Protestant church, so that people understand, all right? You know, what used to happen in the Catholic church was that they used to sing in Latin. That's why they used to sing to God. You come to church and it's Latin, you sing back then. And then when the Reformation came, then, you know, they now came out with hymns. But what we call hymns, right, really was that men like Martin Luther said, there's got to be a change here. And we, we must find another way of singing. So what they did was that they went into the secular world and got folk songs and how they used to dance at that time. You know, it was slow and all of that took that sound and brought it inside the church and now put spiritual hymns on that sound and started singing it. So when people say these are hymns, we should not forget that it's like going into the contemporary world and getting the beats of the contemporary world. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Because people say these are church hymns. These were, these were the music they used to dance to at that time. Do you get what we're saying? Because what happens is that the minute anything happens, then everybody does... So, so, you know, people say this is how church songs sound. And what they're really saying, this is how back then secular songs, that's what they're really saying. You understand it? All right then. So, it's a revelation of God's righteousness. And so, I want to go into that. So, it was beyond just forgiveness. Man started getting into things. And when we say you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus now, we want to look at this and investigate and look into this revelation and, and understand it. So, God made us. His righteousness now. And what you've got to understand about being, about, about the concept of a sinner is that the concept of sinner is this. That a man, and we'll say this in the scripture, is not a sinner because he sins. That's not how the sinner was called. Right? Man was not called a sinner because he sinned. Man sinned because he was a sinner. Do you understand it? Which means he was born a sinner, and therefore the natural thing was that he did what? He sinned. Alright? So it was not a question of, the gospel is not taking a sinner, who is inherently a sinner, and then giving him instructions in righteousness to keep. What that will mean is to take a monkey, and tell the monkey that what God expects of you is to behave like a man. 
Therefore, stand straight and he's trying. And it's what he is created to be a monkey. Do you understand it? So, the instruction to become a man will be out of place. All right? Now, what God did is that when we get into Christianity, is not the forgiven sinner now trying to live up to the standard of God. He now went in and said, I will now get men born again, and they will be born as my righteousness in Christ, that they might do righteous deeds. You understand it? So it was not a question of saying, do righteous deeds in order to become righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ, and therefore if you believe that, righteous actions will start. You understand it? So men sin because they are sinners. The Bible says, through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death reigned upon all men. You couldn't escape that. So men were born as sinners and therefore they sinned. So Christianity wasn't just about taking the sinner, forgiving him of his sins, telling him that if you sin, we'll forgive you, but struggle through life and try to live according to standards that we know you can never live up to right but just try and go through life in that and sweet by and by you'll come to heaven and then we'll solve it which means that what will be said in effect is that death had to be included in order for salvation to be complete what you are in effect saying is that god needed satan to do something to make the redemption complete do you understand what i'm saying here so god went and created us in his own righteousness and then said now you can do righteous actions you can carry out righteous deeds, and that's that message, the revelation of that righteousness. Now, the way he regulates our behavior is that he starts with our conscience. The Bible says that, um, um, speaks about the fact that if we judge not ourselves. So, the first thing is that if a man makes a mistake and he does something wrong because he is the righteousness of God in Christ, his conscience will tell him because his nature contradicts what he is doing, his conscience will tell him what you are doing is wrong, judge yourself. If he continues in it, then what God will do is that he will chastise that person. He is not going to reject that person, he is going to chastise that person. Which means chastisement means this person's conscience can no longer govern, self-government can no longer be there. So we have to bring additional support from the hands of people outside to chastise. Which means to help in correcting, in making that person know that what you are doing is not right and help in the process of correcting that individual. If that individual doesn't respond to chastisement out of pride and arrogance, all right, and feels that I'm above all of that, where the Bible says the hidden rage and imagine vain things, they say let us cut asunder and break the bonds and cut in asunder and all the boundaries to regulate your behavior, you know, you break all of that and say you're going, then the Bible says you become judged with this world in order for you to be saved, all right? So what God does, first of all, is that your conscience tells you because you are the righteousness of God in Christ and then after some time, if you don't respond to that, then on the outside you start feeling the pressure. And people that have grown spiritually, the Bible says the chastisement of God is grievous and is not joyous. People that have grown spiritually are people that when chastisement came, they looked into their environment and were sensitive enough to know that God is saying something to me and they made that adjustment on the inner side of themselves and then moved again on that particular path. 
if people are ignorant and feel that you know nobody can talk to me, then what happens is they continue in that path until it leads to the place where they are judged with the world. So that's the way and manner in which God has organized this particular thing in order for you as a person, you know, to grow. Okay? Now, let's start out by saying this. Historically, the church came forever from a place of weakness, which was a place of sin consciousness. All right, and his inability to place God. So the church at that time, if you came for a service, it was same consciousness. It was about your weakness. That's what you saw, which when you were a forgiven sinner, and your inability to place God. And so that was the experience that people will have if they came in for a church service. They went with the consciousness of the fact that they were sinners with their inability to place God and a sense of their weakness. Now, his religion, therefore, is based on the consciousness of his sins, and man struggled to deal with that. So, religious activities sprang up from a consciousness of those sins, and man's struggle there to, therefore, you know, deal with that. And the church was strong in its denunciation of sin, which was good at that time. And I think we are losing a little bit on that. And the church has to become strong on that again. All right. But now showing people how to perform. So the church then was very strong on a denunciation of sin. Even though people might not have been transformed, but they were rebuked. All right. From the pulpit. So if anybody was involved in corruption, you will hear on Sunday morning a message that, you know, you will go with the conscience. So they were strong on that. Denunciation of sin. All right, in the believer, unbelief and worldliness. But then they were lacking in bringing forth the message of justification and righteousness, which meant that, you know, justification and righteousness was not there. So it was a consciousness of the fact that I'm a struggling sinner and all of that. And so victory over these things was practically unavailable in the messages. But the knowledge of sin was there, but the way to perform was not there. Until men started rereading the Bible when they looked at their experiences and looked at the scripture and found things that were contrary. So they started reading the Bible again and asking the Holy Spirit to open up their eyes. And therefore the message and the revelation of justification and the revelation of righteousness started coming through. And the purpose of the message of justification and righteousness is one. What, what God was doing was to establish fellowship with man. Which means that when God all right, brought the revelation there, the work of justification, the revelation of righteousness, he wanted to establish an unbreakable fellowship with man. Which means that I want to establish a fellowship with this person and I don't want it to be broken by anything that goes on on the outside. In establishing that fellowship with man, what God was saying was that a channel must be created, all right, and established through which my grace can flow into the life of this person in an uninterrupted way. So where we are going to is, God is establishing an unbreakable fellowship with us. And the reason why he's doing that is that he wants to create a channel 
through which his grace can flow in an unceasing way out of his throne right into the lives of his people. And the reason why that grace has to flow is that it is only through the flow of that grace can everything that God intends to do through the life of that person actually come to pass and materialize. It is only through that grace that comes through the channel, that grace that comes through the channel, that grace that comes through the channel, can that individual, you know, walk upright and live the kind of life he ought to live on the earth, right? It is only through that grace. Paul said, I am who I am by the grace of God. And the channel there that carries that grace is what is called justification. Which means that God says, let's establish this channel and then we will begin to supply our grace into the lives of people. Because God understands that it is only by the supply of that grace that man will be able to leave out on the outside what God really wants him to do. God knows that man cannot produce for him. He has got to produce on the inside of man. Therefore, it is not our own self-effort to try to produce something, but our ability to receive that grace from God into our lives in total dependence that brings about transformation on the outside. So all Satan has to do is that if this is the channel, if you are, you are fighting a war and the supply is coming through a channel, and the supply is coming through a channel of ammunition and whatever it is, all you want to do is to cut that channel. So even though on this side there's enough resources to get, because we've broken the channel or broken the bridge, it cannot get. So God is all-powerful. Man needs God to operate in and through him. If we can cut the channel through which God passes his material or his stuff to man, then we've got him. And the channel, I want to say, is what is called justification. Those that understand the basis of their justification and their acceptance before God have that channel established, which means that it cannot be broken. Right? It is an established channel, and therefore God can begin to pour His grace. If people don't understand justification, then that channel is not there. And really and truly, they're just groping in the dark and hoping and praying that God will come through and do something on their behalf. Let's look at Romans chapter 5 here and verse 1. Just turn to verse 5 and verse 1. So man was to produce for God, not by struggle, right? But by simply receiving from God. I will say this. Therefore, verse 1, being justified by faith... We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. So justification produces that peace by faith. Right? It produces peace. There's a disposition of God that is at peace with man. And the Hebrew tell us, sages tell us, that every blessing comes right through the vehicle called peace. That if the peace of a man is disturbed, then what happens is the blessings that God wants to bring into the life of that person cannot get there. If you disturb the vehicle of peace, then the blessing cannot get there. Once there is peace, then the blessing begins to flow. That's why the word peace in Hebrew is the same word as prosperity, which is called shalom, which means that it prosperity is on the outside once there is peace on the inside. Which means a man will advance on the outside once his peace covenant is intact. 
That's what they understood. And so Satan wants to fight on that platform of peers and they stop that. And there's a channel that must be established in the lives of people. That God is at peace with me and that even if I do anything that is wrong, the person I should run to is God. Do you understand it? Which means that the person who is going to embrace me is God. The person who can do anything about this is God. Which means you understand. I mean, people that play church politics don't know God. Because if the most powerful person is on your side and he can go and help you transform a situation, why are you lobbying men when you can talk to the creator? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah? This is an absence of knowledge of justification and the roots between you and God. Right? So you are justified and it says with God through Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith and so there's grace. So it gives you access. Justification gives you access into the grace of God. Wherein we stand. And when we stand in that grace, we are rejoicing. Because once that grace starts coming, it's telling us of the hope, the expectation of the glorious things that will come from God. So we stand there and we are rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. And not only are we rejoicing in that hope, but when tribulation comes, we also rejoice because we know we have peace. He said, I have overcome them. Be of good cheer. In this world, you shall have tribulation, but my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. He said, rejoice. So once we understand this peace that we have with God, then we can always go up there. Even if God is chastising a person, he understands that it's a mark of God's kindness, and he can go to God and talk to God about it. He can approach God with his mistakes. He can approach God with his infirmities. He can approach God with his weaknesses. He is not trying to, you know, prove a point to God. He is going up to God because God is the source of everything in his life. Look at verse 17 here. It says, For if by one man's offense, and this is what we saw, verse 17, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of what? Grace. So that grace is abundance and the gift. So righteousness is a gift. And the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through one man, Jesus. 